You're listening to Make and Create, a podcast dedicated to empowerment in the creative and business space. In a time when social media so often portrays the perfect picture, here you can find the raw reality behind pursuing the path less traveled when it comes to creative pursuits, careers, and life. From entrepreneurs to artists, designers, and individuals pursuing a non-linear journey, this space houses inspiration to keep you motivated while traveling your own path. We make our choice each day to show up in our creative endeavors, even when we fail. When we push through those dark, hard moments and keep on keeping on, I find that's when we bloom. I'm excited for this journey, and I'll be walking right there with you. Don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Make and Create, the podcast that introduces you to individuals pursuing the path less traveled when it comes to creative pursuits, careers, and life. This space houses inspiration to keep you motivated and will hopefully empower you while you're on your own journey. I'm your host, Jen Lezanvegia, and this week I had the opportunity to talk with Rika, the founder of Beauty Link. Beauty Link is the latest in on-demand mobile beauty services that caters to a diverse population, including people of all backgrounds, cultures, and abilities. Rika is legit taking the beauty industry by the horns and shaking things up. I talked with Rika about her journey leading into launching Beauty Link and what she's doing to innovate within the industry. She highlights that although adding a tech aspect through her app, her innovations go much deeper, focusing on ways to help the beauty industry offer services for people of all backgrounds, cultures, and specifically abilities. She's also working to create impact on the professional side as well. As of February 2018, they were already working with six beauty brands to build opportunities for the beauty professionals who are part of their platform to assist them at every stage of their career, from graduation to becoming a seasoned educator. Rika and I definitely talked shop, but we also dived into the nuances of the beauty industry as a whole, exploring both the positive and negative ramifications it has on society's standards of beauty. We discussed the role of minority women in the startup world and the impact that they're making. We touched on her other activities as well outside of running her business, like the launch of Hashtag at the Table, a community that she organized with another founder, Beth Santos, to advocate and empower other women in the startup entrepreneurial world. If you're someone interested in launching your own business, a beauty industry professional looking for ways to grow and build your client base, or just someone who's interested in hearing about the experiences of a female founder, then keep listening for the full episode. been on the road for the past five days, so I officially made it home last night. There's nothing <laughs> like coming home um, when you've been on the road for a little while. It's just like, oh, I just want to sleep in my own bed, and I want to be able to <laughs> yeah. be, like, in my own routine and not live out of a backpack. So um, I'm pretty happy, at least for the remainder of the week. I'm pretty happy. Very cool. Where's home base for you? Boston. Has your travel dealt with anything that you've been reaching out to the Project Entrepreneur Alumni about? So aside from Beauty Link, I also co-founded another company called At The Table. Um, We launched it in February. And um, since launching it in Boston, we've expanded to Miami, New York, and San Francisco. 
and it's a, it's a salon it's a salon series mm-hmm. um dinner for women founders right to be able to connect with one another talk to one another uh yeah. share resources problems and things of that sort and um you know look at what does it mean to be founder focused and founder like driven right versus an initiative being kicked off by a VC firm yeah so we've been really focused in on being able to grow that on top of everything else that I'm doing. That's really exciting. And I feel like that's kind of like a common thread among entrepreneurs in general. It's like you start one thing, but then this other idea pops up and just go for it, right? Like, yeah, I have a million other things, but this sounds like something that can be really beneficial to my audience, to potential customers, to the people I'm working with, and just why not try it? And I think that's really exciting, especially with female founders, because in all honesty, like your comment about, you know, being founder focused versus, you know, being something pulled out of a venture capitalist firm, which is there's not enough VCs that, that really focus on women in my, in my, you know, humble opinion. I, I feel like when I see stuff dealing with women and what we're doing in this industry, it's women empowering women and building platforms for women. And I think that's super exciting. Yeah, I definitely Agree. I definitely agree. I just want to be able to put myself in a situation with um, put myself in a situation where there are at least more people that have access to not being on that island, right? Um, Being an entrepreneur is very lonely, and being a female entrepreneur can be even lonelier because you feel like you have a lack of support. So at the table is definitely an answer for myself along with the audience, right? Um, and, you know, I didn't even think about Beauty Link as being, like, part of doing this. It, you know, like, literally this idea came up while I met with my co-founder, Beth Santos, and, you know, she was eating a cupcake and I had a smoothie. Like, we just wanted to hang out. Mm-hmm. And it all just came to birth that way. Um, and, I, you know, we do build out communities um, for women, but I, I found that, you know, more of the women felt, you know, founder issues versus female issues, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's it's deciding how we define founder moving forward, and I think that we're still learning how to do that. It's not as inclusive as we'd like it to be. That's why we have to use the word female founder, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so can you actually lead us into maybe introducing yourself, telling us a bit about your background, and then touching on what led you to pursue launching Beauty Link and what you're doing right now? Uh, about three years ago, a family member needed uh, beauty services, um, and they were disabled. So it was just a special spot for me to try to cure this problem so you know I went out and I started calling and called a whole bunch of hairstylists and I was like hey can you come to the house and just do this they just need a ponytail um it'd be great if you could come in and do it and you know just cure this issue I got one hairstylist that agreed to come and do it it was in the middle of the day say like you know 1 2 p.m um she came through she did it saved the day smiles you know no more tears and then the week later she contacted me and asked if she could do it again. I think that that's when I really realized that there was a problem, but it wasn't the problem 
that people would think just like immediately got me there, which was helping yeah. a family member. It was hearing a beauty pro tell me that she's still looking for work um, in a licensed trade. You know what I mean? Like there's something to be said about that. Um, then, you know, I just take it upon myself to build out a WordPress site and invite 10 people. And we got four orders that day. And the biggest order being, you know, 250 bucks. And I tell you, it was like, oh my gosh, look at this. Um, yeah. It was crazy because, you know, I started this company with what, $65? It was a WordPress um, template. And I learned a little bit of coding in order to change the front end. So, you know, really focused on CSS. And, um, you know, the rest is history. But my background prior to founding um, Beauty Link was that I was a nonprofit development executive. So I definitely just spent my time raising money for nonprofit organizations. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was an interesting role. Um, something that I didn't really, you know, think that I could just all of a sudden just do something else. But yeah. the funny part is, is that the last job I took, I was in prostate cancer, right? So I know a lot about balls, right? <laughs> and to be the one, like when I walk into a room full of guys and they're like, you know what I mean? We don't get beauty. And I'm just like, you know, yeah. I didn't get balls until I had to start doing research. Like, yeah. you know, I, I know a lot about balls now. Like, you know, um, <laughs> it's no longer an excuse, right? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you have to make the decision to want to know more. So that's what I did. Do you think that helped prepare you when it came to, like, finding ways to fund BeautyLink Beauty and, and building, you know, just building the brand itself, coming from a nonprofit background, fundraising background? Um, do you think any of that, even though it's, not completely linear to what you're doing now. Do you think it helped you in terms of, you know, gaining knowledge and, and knowing how to approach people um, for your brand now? I think that the crazy part about um, my experience prior to Beauty Link was that I just wanted to change the world, right? Um and, you know, I felt like writing grants was going to be, like, this big thing. So writing grants and raising money, um, using that fundamental idea of wanting to change the world is, I think, what led me to be able to be a better founder, right? Because I'm, like, this visionary thinking that I can really change the world. Yeah. It just takes one person. just takes that one idea. And um, it definitely did help uh, rallying my mentors and getting people on my side when I say raising capital, I wouldn't necessarily say it's helped in that regard because I haven't been as aggressive as I can be yeah. in that space. Um, but, you know, there have been challenges, right? So when I have stepped out, I have dealt with challenges. But I'm somewhat very excited about this, like, North Star and changing the world and using beauty as my vehicle. A lot of people just don't understand that beauty touches your life the, since, like, the moment you're born. That first brush that they give to your mom to brush your hair with, yep. right, yep. It, that was that was your kiss, right? That was the kiss yeah. of, like, beauty that you didn't realize you were getting. And then, you know, <laughs> the moment we die, the moment we die, the last thing that touches us is a brush. So make yeah. a brush. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, to think about the impact that beauty really has in your life and, you know, to push that, right, I'm going to say it, it means a lot. It means a lot. It can change things. It changes how people feel. changes how people feed their families, right? Um, yeah. I think it's impactful. Absolutely. Can you tell us more about Beauty Link then, the mission, the vision driving it, um, what you're doing sure. with it now versus, you know, when you started? So Beauty Link is a marketplace platform that connects customers and beauty professionals seamlessly for appointments on location. Um, you know, when we first started, we were really focused in on women of color, right? So we looked at long-term services such as extensions um, and, you know, natural hair and curly hair, textured hair services. And moving forward, we found that there was an opportunity to open those doors even wider. Um, so we're very excited about being able to offer even more makeup services and looking into nail services and, and other um, areas in the beauty space. But, you know, I think the most exciting part that I haven't necessarily hit yet, I'm not going to call it the final frontier per se, right, is looking at what does it mean to build a marketplace and to build a community at the same time yeah. versus having them be two separate things. And um, I think that we're we're moving towards that direction right now with our newest um, iteration on our platform that gets released uh, later this summer. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we started off as a real hardcore, like, marketplace. I think we're moving into a direction um, where we're going to be more than that, right? Um, I really want to look at what does it mean to be the catalyst and to bring together the different areas in beauty. Um, beauty industry is so fragmented um, that, you know, they, there are a lot more challenges than that, that, you know, is just perceived by just the average person. It's more than booking, right? Yep. It's financial education. It's education as a whole, um, cultural uh, situations going on in the beauty space that all play into what I'm building. So it's yeah. it's a lot of fun to be able to dive in a little bit deeper. When it comes to the mission, BeautyLink is really focused on being able to improve the quality of life for beauty professionals. Um, not only by being able to make sure that they make more, but that they have access to more opportunities, um, education, work, uh, even a family life balance, right? A lot yeah. of beauty professionals don't even really get that opportunity because they have to work so much yeah. on the weekends and in the evenings because that's when we universally go to get our hair and makeup and nails done, right? We don't yeah. go in the middle of the day. We go in the evening. So, like, you know, going to soccer practice isn't necessarily priority for mom who's a hairstylist at a salon. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So I actually kind of want to skip around a little bit. Um, you kind of touched on some really interesting things. And when I was, you know, looking at your platform, looking at your website, I feel like you are working to, to innovate within the beauty industry. Can you kind of comment on how you're doing that and what you're doing differently than what some other platforms might be doing or, you know, maybe even touching on how how cultural influences and that fragmentation of the industry plays into how you're hoping to continue with your innovation. Yeah, definitely. You know, that word innovation is such like a, it's a large thing to say, right? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. want to innovate. 
the beauty <laughs> space. Like, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I, I think about the fact that some of the things that we've been able to do thus far have really been focused in on on listening and being product focused first, right? So instead of me thinking about what everybody else is doing, I've really pushed myself and thinking about, okay, now that I know that this is what the problem is, how can I solve it where it becomes a forever solution versus a solution for the moment? So that ends up pushing my my tech team and my team um, to think about beauty culturally versus thinking about beauty just in the fundamental process of like, hey, they want haircuts, we give them haircuts, right? Let's think about how when it comes to Muslim women, right, they usually like to be encased in very female-oriented spaces. They do not take off their their hijabs, you know what I mean, Um, in front of any areas where there are men. So, like, how how do we use that in order to build out innovation in the beauty space? Because yeah. that's what we need to look at. We can't just look at black women fundamentally and say all black women are the same. There are Muslim yeah. women who are African American, right? There are women yeah. that do not have natural hair. There are women that are not interested in in extensions, right? So when you think about dialectical materialism, right, you need to think about everything in that person's history in order to get them to who they are now. And that's why I really look at it from a cultural standpoint when it comes to beauty. And I think that that's what pushes our innovation even further. Yeah, and it, it it expands your reach. It expands who you can connect with. That word inclusiveness, like you highlighted earlier, it's like it, it allows them to be in a space and, and find ways to connect with these beauty professionals that can offer them ways to fulfill their needs in a place that makes them comfortable, in a place that works for them. Um, and I'll, you don't see enough of that right now. Like, the whole like the example of hijab yeah like most places you go and there's a ton of people waiting in line to sit there and get their haircut and you don't think to yourself like oh maybe this person you know because of their culture because of their religion because of their background they don't want to take that off in front of a, a man and not there's anything wrong with that but there's not necessarily a place in your traditional you know salon to do that like that's mind-blowing to me like that's, you, you I mean, don't, don't let's that. even think about, yeah, let's even think about individuals who are wheelchair bound, yeah, right? Let's, yes. Like, is a salon designed for them, really? Not really. Not really, no. But but do they go to the salon? Yes. Are there opportunities for the salon to be better? Yes. We need innovation in the chairs. We need better tools to actually be able to do shampooing. Right? You have no idea about some people that I've heard. They're like, yeah, you know, I got my hair washed with a spray bottle. What is that? That does not make you feel humane. Like, how how do we change that? You know, and these are the type of things that I'm mostly interested in. I'm interested in looking at not the traditional view of what everyone always thought beauty functioned in, but if tech is built by people, why aren't people thinking of solutions beyond functionality of Absolutely. Tech? Yeah, totally. And the, the whole spectrum of ability. We we recently, well, not recently, it was last summer. Um, there's a fantastic brand. You should check them out online. Um, that basically they're all about inclusivity. They uh, The designer 
creates clothing styles for, you know, the GLBTQ community as well as transgender as well as um, she calls that like like she calls them crips and I love it and it's it's people who have this you know a spectrum of abilities whether they're wheelchair bound whether they um, have learning disabilities whatever it may be she wants to showcase that this community is an important aspect of our world and yes they care about fashion yes they care about beauty yes they care about all of these things as well and they're not always included in that and I think this is like this we talk about innovation and you're like, you know, what is that idea of innovation? What is that big word? But you're doing that within the beauty space to to try and offer an inclusive opportunity, not just for, you know, everyone that we think of, but also those people that they're they're kinda of left on the back burner and not enough people think about them. And I think that's I think that's amazing. What was this whole, okay, I know you mentioned, like, the WordPress template and learning coding, and I, it's so funny. I feel like that's, like, for all of us who are, are looking for building a platform, that's how we learn. Like, we have no choice, and maybe we can't afford to hire a tech team right off the bat, so we are a tech team. So we have to learn HTML and CSS and a little bit of coding, you know, use templates to start our website and to launch. But can you maybe offer some thoughts on what that whole process was like building your company from this concept to your final execution, at least when you launched, and then where you are now and how it all unfolded. Was it hard? Was it difficult? Were there some ugly moments? Were there some frustrating moments? And then when did you, like, when did you get to that point where you're like, oh, we're here. I see where we're going. I see the light. Like, I finally, I did it. And now, now it's about trying to grow. You know, when I started it, I started it alone, and uh, it was pretty difficult, right? So, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm not a hairstylist. I need someone in the domain space, right? started talking to salon owners, and, you know, they hated my idea, but they were willing to help. They hated my idea, but they were willing to help. Um, and then, you know, they sat down with me. They gave me a lot of perspective. They helped me break down my interview process. We went from a fully physical interview process to a fully digital interview process. And, you know, that took about, you know, almost two years, right, to break it down that way. Um, and, you know, I, I'm so appreciative to the, the first people that gave me their time because um, they let me build out my platform. I used the WordPress site for a year prior to, you know, moving into a different space because yeah. I needed to really understand my customers. I needed to see if they cared, if they wanted to choose someone, or if they just wanted the service. And so, you know, I spent the year really figuring that out. Um, and then also not having all the capabilities to do things that people were asking me pushed me to think even further about, you know, services later on and, you know, products we needed to offer. Now moving into the space of, you know, growing, you know, first thing was first, I brought one person onto my tech team. So it was me and one more person. Um, and then I brought someone else to help me deal with, like, operational issues. So that was three. And now we're currently a team of 11, right? And it's just like, wow, I'm a manager now. You know, yeah. before I was just managing my head, and now I'm managing others. Um, completely different founder, growing pain issue. 
because you learn a lot about yourself when you start to manage a team that's working on your dream. It's a it's a very it's a very big difference. Continually, you know, moving forward, the parts where I'm I'm learning a little bit more about myself and where we're going is, you know, adding to the team, understanding the challenges of everything I dream of does not necessarily mean it can happen, but it's not a no. Right? My yeah. team has definitely let me know that nothing's impossible, but it yeah. does require time. So, you know, listening to that and being, you know, enamored with that has been something um, interesting for me. And, you know, moving forward, raising capital is going to be pretty interesting and um, continually looking at what can we do in order to improve the stickiness and change the world from what we do. It's going to be really exciting. It's exciting. And I feel like it kind of puts that. You know that feeling in the pit of your stomach you get when you're on a roller coaster right before you like you go down? It's like that kind of a feeling. It's exciting and it's scary and it makes you want to throw up. But at the same time, you're like, yes, I got this. I'm going to try this. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, super excited about it. I mean, every day I wake up, there's a new challenge and a new thing for me to do. And I can't be upset by it. I could just feel like, okay, wow, like this is what I'm here for. It's what my mission is. Um, and, you know, use that to continually move forward. I want to go back a little bit on, you know, what you're, what you're doing with, with women and, you know, catering to all women um, and, and men as well when it comes to beauty. Like I said in some of my questions that I had sent over to you, I feel like it can be hard for women of color, Latinas, women of Asian descent, like you mentioned Muslims, people with disabilities to find makeup and salons that work for their needs. What are you doing to bridge that gap? How does this whole process of connecting your your beauty professionals with your clients work? And how, how are you bridging that gap for these types of people? I mean, you know, we, we have a pretty simple process right now, which I think is going to get better. You know, we are definitely looking at ways to create a more um, individualized, process for our customers, which I'm hoping to roll out by the end of the year. Um, But, you know, I have to ask myself some tough questions, right? You know, for part of the appointment booking, like, you know, who, who asked for pet allergies? We do, because we had beauty pros that had pet allergies that literally couldn't go into people's homes. They were canceling because of pet allergies. Um, You know, what does it mean to keep pushing that envelope and, and continually, you know, change the product to get to the next place? That's how we are going to build differently for our customers and our beauty professionals. It's just asking the right questions all the time. Not just when we're going through, oh, okay, we're going to make updates. Let's ask questions now. No, I need to ask questions all the time in order to figure out what the palette is that's going to make this um, a better product for everyone universally. So um, that's the key right now to, to keeping it different. But the challenges around our, our industry in particular is that it's no longer hard to build an on-demand product. It's really interesting to see how many marketplaces pop up, but executions yeah. are really different across the board. So, yep. you know, that's why we constantly have to make those changes. But 
asking the right questions allow us to really start bridging the gaps for the cultural and the individual needs. Um, and, you know, as time keeps moving forward, I'm really excited to see what other things I'm going to be able to do. Um, it's not as simple as some people may think it is, but it's definitely way more exciting than um, than I thought. Yeah, it never is, really. And it, it seems like what you're doing with your business, it's based on the beauty industry and technology kind of meeting together to create this platform for, for consumers, for independent professionals. Um, and salons. Why, we also have tech salons. salons. Yeah, yep, yeah. And salons. Why do you think this kind of technology is beneficial for, like, newer or independent and even established professionals? You mentioned earlier, like, at first salons hated your idea, and but they were supportive of it. And I feel like stuff like this, it can be really, like, daunting for people. Like, I've owned a salon for this many years. I've been always doing things this way. And now you want to sit there and throw technology at me. Like, what am I going to do with this? When we look at the way the, the industry is going, the direction, I feel like it makes sense. Why do you think this, though? Do you think it's important and do you think it's beneficial? You know, what I thought was, like, really interesting is that you have to be able to to think through how these processes work, right? It was really uncomfortable in the beginning thinking through some of these issues and saying that I had the answers right off the bat. Like mm -hmm. the beauty professionals that own salons hated what I wanted to do, Yeah. right? Because the yeah. way that they've been taught and the way that they went through things is how they think the industry works. Yep. But yep. a lot of people were willing to give me the, the benefit of the doubt. And, like, you know, I started asking them questions. I was like, what yeah. about the person with the wheelchair? Do you service people with wheelchairs in your salon? Yeah. And they were like, no, not really. Is it because you don't have the space or is it because your chairs are actually like, you know, grounded to the floor or, you know, do you ever think about policy and how they require you to have a handicap accessible bathroom, but not a handicap accessible space to provide services. Huh. And so these type of things ended up pushing the envelope and getting them to open up their doors because they never really had to think about that. That was never something that they thought about. They thought about the trade in terms of how they did the services, but they didn't think about the policy around what they were being asked to do. Some of my early questions, um, speaking to salon owners, were around that. It was just simply yeah. around, like, so what do you do with your disabled clients? Like, how do you wash their hair? How do you set it up? Is there a pan for you to be able to still put their head back? What if they have a spinal injury? Like, you know, things like that. I was just really curious. Yeah. Um, and use that, you know, asking the right questions in order to build that relationship and to build that opportunity for innovation. Because then they started sharing with me what they learned in school and how schools are still teaching the same things from the 1960s. Wow. Right? They're not really teaching brand new things. Like, they're not talking about smart mirrors. They're not yeah. talking about Instagram. They're not talking about Facebook. They're not talking about finding work on LinkedIn. Right? It's just that space in particular just needs innovation. But when you think of the innovation, you know, beauty is one of the last places that it's happening. Style seed is what, almost 10 years old? Right? Like, what does that mean? It means beauty, like the beauty tech space is a baby. Literally not even a teenager yet. So there's still a lot to be done. Absolutely. Still a lot to be figured out. Um, 
you know, being in an industry that's always been, you know, extremely physical and still will always remain extremely physical. What does it mean to be innovative in that space? It's about creating those connections, innovate, you know, and using innovation to be able to do so. Yeah. What kind of successes do you think you've seen since your launch? Oh, man, it depends on how you define success. <laughs> I mean, for me, things that make me feel successful are usually some of the really small things, right? Um, yeah. The wins around having... Um, the wins around having new teammates, the the wins around having people that understand the problem and want to be part of the solution, right? That's a win. That's success, right? Um, I wouldn't say it's all, you know, revenue. But definitely there are wins in understanding deeper about what you're doing and getting closer to the truth of the solution. The further you are away from the solution, the further you are from the truth, right? So every time I can get closer to that, I find it to be a new level of success for me. Yeah. And I think that is really, it It kind of is a very personal question because we all define success in our own way. And yes, while, you know, traditional success based on what society is saying is one thing, but I feel that most entrepreneurs we're looking at success based on our experiences and our needs and where we are. And it is absolutely totally personal. And I think even some of those, the smallest things though, when you know you're doing those things and you're making that impact or the experiences that you get to gain along the way, that that's so much more meaningful than, Oh yeah, we got million dollars funding or yeah, we're, we're doing this. And it's people, I think they forget at, forget how much work and how much time goes in to startups and to building a business and to building a brand before you're at that, you know, notoriety or you're at that point where like everybody knows what's going on. And it may seem like it, it's an overnight success type of thing, but the reality is that it, it never, it never really is. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, the definition of success changes for me every day. So like, I have learned that in order to be who I am, I need to be okay with defining what things mean to me, right? Yeah. So, like, what is diversity to you? I define it as being able to bring together a group of people that not only have diverse thought but diverse experiences. Does it get misconstrued sometimes? Yes, because sometimes I'm the only one in the room that looks different. Um, but it doesn't fundamentally change the people that are in the room, right? So pushing and, and shoving and changing these definitions of words that I've always seen as one way versus another has been, like, incredibly uh, a humbling experience. So we talked about successes. What about obstacles? Did you face any while you were building the link? And if so, oh, how man, did you I always, I always feel <laughs> obstacles. Um I am a bald-headed woman with a half-sleeve um, in the beauty space, also with a tech company without a tech background. <laughs> Faced several obstacles. Um, <laughs> you sound like a badass, though. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> thank you. Um, I just am not scared anymore. Yeah. I remember where I first started, I had, like, imposter syndrome out the wazoo. 
<laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, I have to wear these heels. I have to wear dress pants and, like, button-down blouses. And, like, people aren't going to take me seriously unless I come to the room looking like this. And then, you know, I rewind it, and I was just like, you know what? Building my own company and making my own rules. People don't want to be around me. That's totally fine. I still have what I'm doing. And so, you know, I I started talking about how you need to be comfortable in your shoes in order to make your speech, right? Like you will not be able to make your speech if you're uncomfortable in your shoes on stage. Yeah, It just doesn't work. Yep. So uh, I'm a big Chucks person. I wear a lot of Chucks. Um, and I wear dresses with Chucks. I wear pants with chucks. I wear whatever I want with chucks because chucks are comfortable to me. Yeah. And they let me feel like I'm powerful. Like yeah, they may look like they're not powerful, but they're awesome. Like they make yep. me, they give me my power. Um, and I don't really care for obstacles anymore, but I have learned that I am a little bit louder than the average person. And sometimes I need to be able to share the problems that are happening in order for other people to understand how large they are. Yeah. So say, for example, Boston has a really huge diversity issue. It's a population issue. Mm -hmm. Right? And I have to be okay with being loud and letting everybody know, hey, I'm black and I'm a woman. And... um there's a problem here. Yeah. It's really obvious on both sides. I'm not going to be able to fix it alone, but you need to acknowledge that there's a problem and, you know, run with that and um, be okay with it. I've just, I I was tired of running away from being scared for things and just went head on first. So it's been pretty interesting. I think it helps you evolve too, though, when you think about it. It's like, Society has this standard or these expectations, and then they have these stereotypes about who we are as minorities. I'm a Latina, and, you know, we have – there's these expectations about who you are and your personality and where you come from. But when people like us come to the table and and we invite more and we change those perceptions, but also, yeah, who cares if we're loud? Who cares if – you know, we're flamboyant or we do this or we do that because that's who we are. And when we're true to ourselves, we can then be true to our communities and true to our journeys. And I think that is just, that is empowering. And that allows for that change that we need to see start to happen. Like it allows us to push forward in that. Because like you said, it, it it can be scary, but people get to a point where it's like, screw that shit. I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to, you know, make myself smaller in order to fit into this when if I can be who I am, then I can create something better in this world. Because like, I know we're talking about beauty and all this stuff, but the reality is that it links to everything else. And you want to change the world, you're doing it in a space that you felt compelled and called to do it in. And that small change is going to reverberate beyond you know, what you'll ever even think it could have once you get to that point of where you're going. That That's just so powerful to hear that, you know. So what I want to know then is just goals. And what are what are your goals for the next few years? And it's like you, you have this really 
big, beautiful idea that, like, you could see it unfolding right in front of your eyes, right? Like, what you're doing, the people you're impacting, the questions that you're asking, like, damn, like, I cannot even think about, like, going into a salon and be like, you know, where, where, where does someone with a wheelchair go? Or, like, it's just, you're, you know, I don't know if you realize it, but, like, you're doing some badass stuff. So what I want to know oh, is where are you going? What what are your goals? Um, and what are you hoping for in terms of your growth for this business? You know, I wish I could tell you that I had a defined, like, you know what I mean, here's my one-sentence North Star, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't have a one-sentence North Star. I do know that I want to change the world. I do know that the people I've admired the most throughout my life are people that you never asked what was in their bank account when they died, but respected the amount of change that they made, which is like, I, you know, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, right? Um, we didn't think about how much they had in their bank accounts or how much money they had to control. What we did think about was their impact. And I'm in that realm. That's where I aspire to be. Um, and I know I can make the world a better place. I know it's going to take a lot of work. I know a lot of sleepless nights, like, you know, a lot of Red Bull, 20, 30 pounds overweight sometimes, but I will get it done. I will get it done. Um, and I'm inspired. I'm inspired by the people I meet, you know, the people I get to talk to. I'm inspired by all of that. I, I can't just not use that to make a difference in the world. Makes no sense. I feel like a lot of what you're doing is very much based on empowerment. So can you share some insights on your thoughts of empowerment and, you know, what you're doing with Beauty Link, it looks like it's spread and built off the concept of empowering women and individuals in both like that business side of things and, you know, as a customer, um, you know, personally as a Latina growing up, it was always hard for me to find women who look like me in the business world or on TV for, for a long time. Um, today, my girls, like they have, and a lot of other people like us, they're seeing more and more people that they can, that they can connect with. And I think that's really important. So what I want to know is how do you hope to continue to push forward that movement? And, you know, what does empowerment mean to you? Man, the word empowerment is life. It's life. I think about my grandmother, you know, grew up in Haiti, you know, got out of school early, you know, was pretty much a migrant farmer for part of her life and owned land and sold, you know, what we made off the land. My mom came into this country, didn't even know what homeless was and was homeless. You know what I mean? Like I think of empowerment as being life. There are really no excuses to not get things done. If you choose to live, you choose to be empowered. Like, it's just the way it is. Now, to be someone to become a catalyst in order to push people towards that, mm-hmm. that's a completely different thing. Um, but I think every single person that breathes every day and chooses to breathe every day is empowered. Yeah. Because the word empowered can somewhat be discombobulated sometimes. I mean, I think about people that can't walk. Does that mean that they're not empowered? 
Yeah. Um, I think about people that don't necessarily love the way that they look. Does that mean that they're not empowered? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, everybody's empowered the moment they take that breath. Yeah. It's life. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I look at it. No, it totally um, makes sense. Yeah, like that's that's moving. Like that to me, it's every day the the choices we make to live, to move forward. Absolutely, like we are truly empowered. And I never thought about it that way. I feel like ah, okay, you're like you're inspiring. Like I don't know if you realize how inspiring you are, and and you're just the way you speak and the things that you say and like the perspectives that you have. It's like, that's, it's very inspiring. And I feel like not enough people in our space for a long time, especially in the startup world, were willing to share information or to be inspiring. It's like, they kind of like kept it to themselves and like, Oh, we got to like hold this little tiny baby bubble. I don't want people to know where we're getting money from. And I don't want people to know how we're building this or what we're doing or where we're outsourcing. You know, it's very, it was but very clear. Off. Yeah. It's yeah. Fear. It's, yeah. It's but fear-based. fear Absolutely. has been programmed. Fear has been programmed into you. You think about no. how you were taught, you know, to take tests in school. You weren't taught to really share your answer. No, no. You were they taught tell you to, that's cheating, right? Yeah. They, they tell you that's cheating, right? So that's how other people feel about it. Like you think about, you know, where we come from, how we've done things, right? If yeah. if we decide to do everything up how we were taught, we would see a lot of differences, yeah. right? Because yep. at a certain point, you're told not to ask questions anymore. You need to try to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Why, are you, why are you asking questions? Stop asking questions. Go find the answer in the book. Yeah. What if the book doesn't have the answer? Right? It's, it's about pushing yourself. Yeah. So what kind of advice, then, would you give, like, a budding entrepreneur when it comes to launching their own business? I feel like there there's some, some sage thoughts in your in your mind and in from your experiences that you could offer. Okay, I'll be very honest, right? Um there is a difference between advice and opinions. Okay. Right? And um I had to learn how to decipher those two in order to become a better entrepreneur. When I first started, everything someone said, I ran and made changes. It didn't matter if it was advice or an opinion I was just running and making changes because I was in that stage of like being extremely lean and like iterating quickly and then I had to roll back and be like whoa I just spent five hours of my time making changes because this one person told me to and it didn't even make sense right so being able to defy to the you know decipher the difference between advice and opinions ultimately ends up changing the way you you build your business the way you think about your mentality. And when I first started out my company, and I, I think I need to go back to this practice, was that I had a sticky note that said, you know, will it kill us, right, or will it give us life? And I had to make yeah. a decision. every Like every time I had a hard decision to make, I'm like, this is going to kill us. Like if I make yeah. this decision, it's going to kill us. This gives us life. So learning, you know, it's not necessarily always yes or no. But, like, what's going to give you more time to build out your company, right? Yeah. The whole point of being 
an entrepreneur when you start out is to survive those five years. Yeah. Five years. You have five years you need to survive. You need to prove out what you're talking about. But if you're not passionate about it, you'll leave before five years. Yeah. If your business idea does not work, you will fail before five years. Like, you have to make the decision on what you want to do. And then you have to put in the work. And you have to visualize it. I think about every single big, like, I don't know if you've listened to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is so inspiring in -hmm. terms of how he became Mr. Universe right? The things he did in order to be inspired and say, I'm going to get there. You have to also have that same type of um, pure view when it comes to your vision. So that's it. That's all I got. You made it. So now it's about, you know, iterating, right? If funding doesn't work in the traditional sense, decide what your funding will be. Maybe it's your audience. Maybe you get your audience to start you know, going the route of subscription. The VC model is breaking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's breaking into pieces. Uh It's breaking into pieces and um, being reimagined. And even with the female VC firms, they're starting to see that not everybody's going to be a unicorn. What happens to the people that are not unicorns? How do you fund them? How do you support them? Right? So I like to think of, you know, how zebras are really fixing unicorns' problems, right? Because <laughs> yeah. unicorns keep breaking things, right? And the zebras are like, don't worry. I come in slow and steady. I got this. <laughs> I got this, yeah. Well, and they're also looking at it from just, like, again, like that traditional perspective. It's, like, this corporate mindset. And most people today are like, no, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're about. How do we break that mold? And yeah, absolutely. I love it. The zebra is slow and steady. It wins the race. <laughs> yeah, we good. We don't need the horns. We don't need the wings. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, we are at our last question, Dika. What or where, where can our readers and, and the listeners, where can they learn more about what y'all are doing online? Where can professionals connect with you? To get on your platform, even. Beauty Link, yep, beautylink.com. Link is spelled L-Y-N-K. If you're looking for me, you'll find me on Twitter under Rika Elise. And I I go into daily tantrums sometimes um, (laughs) about whatever I think is wrong. But I'm I'm pretty accessible. DMs are always open. Are there any other social media platforms that you guys are on? BeautyLink is on all social media platforms underneath BeautyLink as one word, Beauty, L-Y-N-K. Um, and we also have a male brand called The Link Up. Um, so you could also check that out. We're building out a lifestyle brand for men. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Make and Create. It's inspiring to hear about other women who are pursuing building something that is so necessary in an industry that can at times be stuck in its ways. People have a tendency to dislike change and disruption, yet Rika and what she's doing with BeautyLink are prime examples of how innovation can truly make a positive impact. 
If you want to learn more about or sign up for Beautylink, you can visit them online at www.beautylink.com and that's www.beautylink.com. There you can also link out to all the other platforms that they're on via social media. You can follow Rika's journey on Medium, that's R-I-C-A-L-Y-S-E-E. And if you're interested in connecting with At The Table, you can connect with them on Twitter at At The Table HQ. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you feel so inclined, take some time to subscribe to us on iTunes, Anchor FM, or via your RSS feed on any podcast listener that you utilize. You can find a new episode live every other Friday. While you're online, Make sure you stop by makingcreate.com for my bi-weekly updates and features associated with each episode. If you want to keep up with me and the show on social media, just follow at Make and Create Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter personally at Jen Viggie, and that's J-E-N-V-E-G-U-I-L-L-A. If you like what I'm doing and you feel inclined to support, please take a moment to check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash make and create podcast. Any pledge amount can help me with the admin side to keep creating the content on this show. Finally, please take some time to leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. I relaunched the show with the new branding and updated content, so ratings and reviews will definitely help the episodes to get noticed. And it's just another really great way to show your support so I can continue to create the content that is empowering, inspiring, and motivating. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Check back later this month as I will be sharing my interview with Kritika. She's the founder of Suthi, a brand that focuses on curating beautifully crafted and inspired accessories for workspaces that also make the world a better place through charitable contributions. As I continue to connect with a wide array of individuals for each episode, I'm finding that they have one thing in common. They don't play small. They've all taken a leap of faith and haven't looked back. This reminds me of a quote from Nelson Mandela. There is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. If you find yourself minimizing your role in your life, take a moment to step back and reevaluate your purpose and goals. Begin to find ways to step into your purpose. Even baby steps can move you forward. We only miss at the chances that we don't take. This is something that even I have to remind myself of daily. What is the one thing that you can accomplish today, this week, or even just this month that will bring you one step closer to your goals and aspirations? Don't let yourself feel stuck. Make your move on your terms, listeners. Till next time, I'm your host, Jenna Zandigia. And thanks for listening.